Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Theater Goers. I'm your man, Tony. This is my guy, Tafari, yeah. and we might have Tyrion with us. It's the Triple T party right now. You already know what it is. Um, today, we're talking about... Oh, man, I'm excited for today's episode because um, the movie we're talking about, the director is one of my favorite directors in movies right now, Quentin Tarantino. We're talking about his ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I, I'm just going to tell you guys right off the bat, if you're a Tarantino fan, like you've seen at least a bunch of his movies and things like that, it de- definitely has his his weirdness to it, his type of filming to it. But you know what? I I was definitely happy with it. It wasn't exactly what I expected, but it is what it is. You can already look at Tafari. I, I see your face, man. Uh, okay, let's let's get, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Like, what what do you think? I want to start with you because clearly you got an opinion. I don't want to say it was trash, but what the hell did I just watch? Like, <laughs> like for two and a half hours, I had no idea what the hell was going on, let alone what connected. Like, it, it was all the setup, man. The setup it was all the what? setup, basically. Well, I mean, I'm, I'll I'll say this right. It definitely wasn't what I expected in terms of, if you guys already know, it's all spoiler alerts here. So if you if you don't want to hear it, then Doors check open. us out later or something. But um, first of all, we saw Charles Manson, who's clearly the bad guy in this movie. Him and his psycho-ass hippie followers. Um, we see him, him, Manson, in one scene. The entire movie. What did you think, T? Which even scene was that? Was that the one where the dude randomly stumbles into their yard and is like, oh, wrong house, and we just never see him again? Yeah, that one. That, that I was one. That's so Manson. baffled. Like, we just never talked about that at all. Like, that <laughs> happened, and it was like, all right, next scene, because reasons. Right. No, I... I agree. Even in the trailer where um, you see him waving to Brad Pitt, but like, like a like the the like a way only Charles Manson would do that, like creepy, like you know, wave in the trailer. Um, and we didn't even see that. He literally just showed up, walked up to the house. They said, "Oh, I'm looking for Terry. Terry don't live here no more." He he peeked that he peeked over at them Sharon Tate when she was at the door and then walked away and we never see him again. And what was what was she, the point of like Sharon Tate the whole movie? She just went and watched her own films for like three months and then we just see her walking out of the theater. Well, yeah, because um, I don't know too much about it, but you know I think the movie she was in was kind of like a big break for her, where she was like the clumsy. Um, lady who you know made everybody laugh and whatnot, yeah. and then and then she went to see it because she was picking up a book apparently for her husband, if I remember the movie correctly. And then the theater was showing it; it was promoting it. And then she was like, "Okay, um, can I see it? I'm in the movie." Blah blah blah. And then she checks it out. I think more. I think she saw it more not to like make herself be like, oh, damn, I did pretty good. No, I think she went to see how the crowd yeah, would react. Because no, every time the that, crowd yeah. react, but, like, when she's doing it, when she's first at the box office, I didn't even believe that she was really the, like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, is she not really 
Sharon Tate and she's just trying to worm her way. Because the way she's like, oh, because the way the girl's like, oh, get a picture with a poster, people know who you are. It makes it seem like she doesn't believe it and like she's gonna get caught. And then you're like, oh, I guess she really is that actor. And I think was she the one who was with well, Roman Polanski well, who, in the beginning? Well, no. The thing, the thing is, I think um, she, I think the chick who is um about to give her the ticket or whatever was like. Nah, I don't believe it. Like you're just trying to get like a free movie yeah. or something, and then and then you know she put on or she didn't put on the glasses, but like she looks at the poster and is like, looks at the poster and is like, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's me. I'm just you know wearing different clothes and a different picture in the movie. She was a brunette and not a blonde. So then, and and besides, the thing she was extremely happy about when she was watching the movie is when the crowd reacted and reacted positively, like laughing and whatnot to her or when that, when she did that stupid karate scene yeah. at the end. I was, of- <laughs> I was like, is her character having a flashback in the movie we're watching or is her character having a flashback <laughs> in the movie that she's watched? That was the only part that came, like the Bruce Lee thing was like the funniest part to me, but then we just saw Oh my god! We saw so that funny. come from back for like all thirty seconds, and I couldn't tell if the flashback was happening in our movie or in Sharon Tate's movie. <laughs> um, I mean, you you kind of tell you you saw what she was doing like in her movie that she was watching, but then you also saw like her practicing. You know, you saw Margot Robbie practicing with the dude that was playing Bruce Lee. All I know is that Bruce. Bruce Lee and Brad Pitt's characters were the funniest characters. Yeah, Brad in the whole Pitt kind of made the whole like they paid they paid it off as like Leo being possibly the funny one in this movie. But even the scene from the trailer where she's like that was the best acting, it, like no one really laughed. And some of the parts people were laughing at, I'm like <laughs> maybe I'm just not in on the joke. But Brad Pitt, he was hilarious <laughs> the whole film. But I, I feel like. What he was doing the whole movie, I had, I, I did not. It could have just been called Brad Pitt's Wild Adventure or Stuntman Stories or some shit. I'll tell you what, he made this movie made Brad Pitt look like a it badass. Did. Well, especially with the, the with the final fight and everything. Oh my god, uh, that, that to me was like, damn. That's it though. I'm like, okay, it's a queer, it's a Tarantino film. There's gonna be violence or somewhere, someplace, everyone dies eventually. I'm just waiting for it. And by the time we get it, I'm like, this just feels random. <laughs> well, because because the way they promoted it was, he's gonna talk. He, the movie was about the Manson murders, which you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I don't. Although you have to be living under. Really? You don't know about it? You didn't I've heard it? the name. I've heard references. No one has ever broken down the whole Charles Manson story. Okay. The, the, main, the main gist of it is Charles Manson basically manipulated a bunch of dumbass hippies who were always tripping on LSD to commit murder. Um, and then the reason that scene where you see Charles Manson coming up to the house and he's like, oh, where's Terry? Terry don't live here no more. That part was, for the most part, I think, true. And then he was able to convince everyone. Because, mind you, this is like 69, Woodstock, yeah. you know, LSD, trip mushrooms, everything's 
like off the chain at the time, right? Vietnam, all that crap, right? Right. So then he was able to, and this for anyone else that doesn't know the story either, he was able to convince about, I think the number was three people, just like you saw in the movie. I don't think that fourth chick or that fourth um, person that left was supposed to be that. I think that was just part of the movie. Yeah, she she um, was smart and dipped. Yeah, she she dipped, bro. <laughs> she is not about it. Um, she they them three went to Polanski's house or Sharon Tate's house, and just like that, um, Sharon Tate was there. She was pregnant. She was like seven, eight months pregnant with a baby. I think the Jay Phillips guy was there. Girl was there as well. Who was played by Emil Hirsch in this movie. The the chick from Folgers. She was the actual heir to Folger's Coffee. Um, and then her friend or whatever. I think for the most part, everything was true except for how it ended. Yeah, so, like, so when the narrator kicked in, he was trying to play it off like uh, the movie's timeline mixed in with what really happened. Basically, yeah. All Tarantino did for the most part was everything was true, but he did it from a different perspective in a potential um, fictional character in the in Leo's Leo's character as that struggling actor and Brad Pitt, he just did from a different point of view and changed up what actually happened. Instead of these people, Manson's people, going after Sharon Tate and killing all of them because that uh, one chick in the movie that was like, we got to kill the actors, man, because yeah, they, they made us grow up with violence. It was heavy. her idea that made them switch to take um, Leo and Brad Pitt's characters out. But the, the real story is that these people went to um, Sharon Tate's house, killed her, like killed everybody else up in there, including the Folgers girl or it might be a boy, I'm not sure, but the Folgers there... And they, they were stabbed, they were shot, everything was, like, terrible. Did, they, did then, they make it look witchy like they were planning to do? They, the whole point of what Manson was trying to do was he was trying to start a race war between whites and blacks. And he imagined himself as the leader on the white side and that he would come to glory through that. But obviously that didn't happen. We're talking about a guy who's been institutionalized his entire life. Jesus. And, I, and I'm not talking about just prison. I'm talking about mental hospitals, you know. Ledoux was psycho, right? And then, you know, my dad explained it to me because he grew up. He was 15 and 69, so he knows this whole story and everything. Right. He grew up with it. Um, You know, lo and behold, they... You know, they find the gun in a complicated jurisdiction zone between LAPD and the sheriff's department. But then they find the murderers. And the way the prosecutor played it was um, he's going to convince the jury that Manson manipulated all these people. Because Manson never committed the murders himself. Right. His people did it for him. So the prosecutor played it like, okay, I'm going to convince them that he manipulated them to do it and he and he eventually won and then and then uh, one of the girls or two of the people got out on parole i think one guy still there or recently got out on parole 
one the one of the girls is like, yeah, I absolutely, I was absolutely devastated. It was a really bad time in my life. She's like completely reformed. She has a family and kids and everything now. Like she's normal. The other two, I think, are still kind of like, you know. Yeah. But um, and then Manson died a few years ago in prison. So. so is that the whole build-up of this movie is to relate to the the Manson murders? Yeah, from the the format that Tarantino took it with is a different perspective while highlighting the main things like showing Sharon off. She's a you know great person, yeah. she's hot, she's beautiful, blah blah blah. Along with, you know, Polanski who her hus- who was her husband, the other people involved, blah blah blah. And then, but the, your your main perspective is Leo's character as an actor who's basically become a has been, but starts to get kind of reinvigorated. Right. Um, and then and then Brad Pitt's his stunt double and just happens to be a badass and met up with one of Manson's girls and then look and then you know went to um that former film lot. Where they all were staying at. Yeah, and they basically had uh were taking advantage of his old friend who was apparently blind. Yeah. Then when the girl no, started um, screaming, she's funny, like, fun- "He's not actually blind. You're the blind." And I'm like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> that, that was definitely weird. That man. that that like threw you, but... me for a loop. And then when they put the knife <laughs> through his tire, I'm just like, "Why?" Like you knew this would end badly. I'll tell you what, though. Fun fact: um, the old man, the blind man that was um, at the film line in that house, yeah. that was that was Bruce Stern, right? He's been in a couple of Tarantino's movies. Um, Burt Reynolds was actually supposed to play that character, really. But yeah, but then you know, and they got to a table read with Reynolds, but then he he and then. But then, unfortunately, I think it was a year or two ago that he died. Um, he died before they could get any filming done. And then Bruce Dern stepped in. So this is film number nine, and he's only doing ten, you said, right? Yeah. He, this is film number nine. He's only doing ten. So what all... Wait, so I'm seeing... Let me look, I see My Best Friend's Birthday, Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, Pulp Fiction, Natural Born Killers... Four Rooms, Dust Till Dawn, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill One and Two. He did Sin City. He it wasn't like a his movie, but he did work with Robert Rodriguez. Are we, the uh, same thing like, for are like, these are um, films he directed. Death, Death Card. Or, wait, I'm on, I'm on Wikipedia, so I'm trying to. Ca- they have like three categories of director, writer, producer. So I can I can tell you the ones that were directed by him. Is Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill One and Two, um, Inglorious Bastards, um, Hateful Eight, Inglorious Bastards, Hate the Hateful Eight, and now um, the and now Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's seven though. There's two more I'm missing. I can't. Django remember. Unchained is one. Django Unchained. Oh, that's my favorite one. How could I even forget that? Um, and then there's one more because that's eight. But, oh, oh um, Death Proof, I think it's his other movie. I'm trying to, because they have all the ones, oh, he's got writing, yeah, Death Proof, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, Reservoir Dogs, 
Jackie Brown. Right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Kill Bill. Right. What is the second? Inglorious Bastards. Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So I guess those are his nine exclusive yeah. in-house films. I don't know what his tenth is going to... Did he say why those he's are... only doing ten? Yeah. Those are... those. All the movies we just listed now are all the movies he's credited for as director. As the only director. Got you. Not co-director or anything. So why stop so at 10? So with all the, all the stuff he's done with Robert Rodriguez, like Sin City and... Um, and like Machete, I think he even worked on, but not too much. Stuff like that. But the nine films we listed are his, like his movie, his direction, his everything. Um, and then, yeah, he's only making 10. So I'm going to try to find a way to, ha- to get into that 10th movie. I don't care if I'm a corpse or an extra, but I'm going to try. I'm gonna I, try I would to say this movie it, found a way to create its typical corpses. But by the time they showed up, I was like, this... This is kind of overkill. What what has happened? Like, I get that he was tripping balls on LSD, but the fact that he was able to fight three people, and then we found a way to bring the the flamethrower back into play. Oh, my God. I thought that was awesome, though. I kept thinking, I'm like, is this going to be another movie where he kills everyone? I literally kept waiting for, like, parts of people to get shot or something or get T-boned in a car. I'm like, no, it's not happening. I'm waiting for the... I mean... I mean, I see, I see what you mean, but they didn't get shot. All they, all that happened to him was they got burnt and they got bit. Like oh, yeah, his, hell. his dog was a G, Jesus, bro. Oh my god. Uh, other than other than the fight that uh, Brad Pitt had with Bruce Lee, that final like twenty thirty minutes was my favorite part of the movie, only because of how. Fucking cool the dog was, man. Yeah, the dog was relentless. And then when he bashed old girl's nose with the can, I was dying. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I'll tell you what, though, man. Even just the way he was telling the dog, like, I don't know if you know this, right? He's talking to Tex or whoever. Yeah. The The dog sat up for a moment. But then Brad Pitt with his hand, like said, like to the side, like no, calm down. I'll let you know. And then the dog looked at it, saw it, and like just sat down normally. And I was like, bro, that dog's about to tear these bitches up. Yeah, well, he was just like calm the whole time. I'm just like, I feel like I, I, I'm thinking he's gonna get shot, but I don't see it happening because I feel like that dog is just not gonna. No, he bit dude in the crotch and just didn't let go. I'm like, yep, just shoot me. I think I think one of the best parts is the fact that it was that moment just before that that he decided to smoke the uh, cigarette that was yeah. What acid. I saw was the hippies from the the ranch. I was like, did they not see mm-hmm. him when he was walking the dog? Like nobody recognized him. That's that's what I, that's what I thought. I was like, did nobody recognize him? Yeah, I, I guess, thought I Leo guess was did. gonna I get mean, like great gat speed when he went outside to yell at him with that big ass margarita jug. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it, that's what I thought too. I was like, why didn't they recognize him? But I get, I I forget how long it was. It was at least six months between the and he was in Italy. With um, Leo yeah, they went overseas. They went overseas. Um, it's so funny because with um, uh, with the last Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino did a 
spaghetti western, so to speak, with um, the Hateful Eight. It's hilarious that Leo only did spaghetti westerns before he went overseas and then when he did go overseas. Yeah, I didn't realize spaghetti western was a category. Yeah, it, it was a really... My dad tells me this. My dad's going to be included in this because he did a lot of research was just from him. Um, but spaghetti westerns were a huge thing in that time. That's why that's that's kind of why, like for any Clint Eastwood fans, that's how he sort of got his start. He was in like three or four spaghetti westerns in a matter of like four or five years, you know. Hmm. And then. And then that, that's all Leo did overseas because Al Pacino, some studio head, really liked him in those. And then, and then six months, and then who, bro, bro the Manson people were probably high off their. Oh, yeah. They, they were clearly life. on all the drugs at the end of the movie, and they fought somebody yeah. else who was also high on drugs. So that's probably why they couldn't remember him, you know? Like. Maybe they were sober when they first saw him, but they were high off their nuts when when they came through to the house. Yeah, it was... They were on some shit, but by the time we got there, I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I appreciate all the violence right now. It was worth the wait, but I just... I have so <laughs> many questions. I'm not gonna lie. The entire movie, the one thing I was super curious about was I know Tarantino's violent he's a bloody exactly guy. Like, all of his movies and so the whole movie i'm like how is this gonna go down like is he gonna like piss some people off like are people gonna take this the wrong way or be offended i thought he was gonna like, fight 20 hippies at the ranch up? right because i'm thinking like and he has a history of doing this i'm thinking like oh he's about to um, like destroy Sharon, Margot Robbie. They're gonna look so freaking bloody. Yeah, and... I thought it was gonna be like, uh, what was that movie that came? A massacre. I thought, what right? was the movie that came out like ten years ago? Strangers. I thought it was gonna be like that movie, The Strangers, with those oh, people yeah, in yeah, the woods. Yeah. The... Bloody as hell, yeah. right? Like destroy. Like everybody's dead. Everybody's like cut. Yeah, he's like make it witchy. I'm like, this is about to be some cult. And, and this is his style. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, he's clearly leading up to movie. the violence. And I'm like, nope, it's just a Brad Pitt beatdown, which was hilarious. Like when he got the redhead <laughs> and just kept he got he kept hitting the redhead. I'm like, dude, you won like ten punches ago. Stop, dude. Now, are you, are you talking about that one chick that he kept hitting her head on? Yeah, the one who was the little stuff? the the thought that was being rude to him at the door. <laughs> The, the redhead. Yeah, yeah, the one who kept trying to block him at the door. I was like, you don't need to go see him. He's sleeping. <laughs> Dude, yo, you know, you know why I think he did that? Why he, like, took her to that extreme? Because she stabbed him. She's the one who stabbed him in the head. Yeah. He literally just saw the stab. So, I'm like, he's high. There's, he probably doesn't even feel it, but still. He didn't. And the adrenaline, too. So that's why he was like, when he saw the knife in his head, he was like, Bitch, and then he grabbed the boom, yeah, hit her against like boom, the nightstand, boom, the fireplace, boom. the table. God, the 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 wall, the the fireplace, the picture, the poster, the table, and then he was like, "Okay, she's dead. I'm good." Yeah. Then he goes and caves the other dude's face in, 
And then the chick just runs out into the... When she finally gets to Leo in the pool, he's just mad confused. I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, what the hell? He, like, threw up his radio and headphones and everything. <laughs> oh, man, bro. I did not expect the flamethrower. When he came and got it, I, I was like, yes. The only thing in this movie that has come full circle was the flamethrower. <laughs> I was confused, though, because like, the narrator the shed, was like almost nowhere like, in the film. Then he's everywhere at the end of the film. And then we have like the tiny little bits where it's like, bullshit. He got his license taken away and blah, blah, blah. Like Kind of like how they gave all the backstories in Inglorious Bastards. We got like two of those yeah. in the first hour. And I thought we were getting like a couple throughout the movie. So it just kind of felt like underkill in the beginning, overkill towards the end. Cause we keep getting all these like times and dates. And I'm like, where were you the whole film to explain what the hell I'm looking at? No, nah, you're right, man. And then I agree with you. The flamethrower is pretty much the only thing that came full circle. But bro, when he walked into that shed. I'm thinking like, oh damn, he about to like murder. I thought he was just running and hiding. That's what me and the whole theater laughed. We thought he was like doing what the dog. Hiding. We thought he was doing what the dog did, like begging to get in the house and was just gonna stay inside and peep from the window. And then he comes out with the flamethrower. I did a solo clap because I was just everyone was laughing. I'm like, okay, never mind. We're shit's getting real. Oh man, bro, he lit that shit. I kept thinking oh, he was gonna too, get hit by man. a stray bullet, but he didn't. Thank God. Yeah, no, cause this this chick that had the gun, um, after this dude lost it, the one that got burnt was just shooting it in the air. Yeah, I was like, please don't let this man get hit by a stray bullet from someone who wasn't even aiming. Also, the she's underwater. The gun should be just useless now. No, uh, you never know, man. They 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 make guns that could take anything these days, but especially then. No, I agree. I think the gun was not gonna work, but she did point it at him. Right before right. he ass up. So, but man, I'm so glad he won. Yeah, I was like, let me, I was like, Yo. please don't like let him get all this way. And then she aims it at him like he gets his, his bullet, a bullet hits like his pack and he explodes or something stupid. I would be like offended to see him make no. it this far just for it to end like that. Nah, he couldn't do Leo like that, man. He couldn't do it like that. And then even his, even the Italian chick got some. Yeah, his punched, his wife uh, who came out of nowhere in like the last hour. Of the he got married after being in Europe for like what three months. He got married. Yeah, he got married in Rome. Six months, like three, four movies or something like that. That's crazy. I I guess it was back then, and the when they were talking about like millimeter film. I guess you could make a movie in that amount of time, especially seeing how movies back then weren't that long. And then at the same time, it was the same studio, the same actor, the same director for the most part, too. So that probably played a factor in it. He could have just moved on from like one set to the next. Right. You know? Oh, let's, let's, um, but I, let's see how they did uh, number wise, if I remember where I put this information. So I think it hit 150. Did Okay, I see. What is it? Opening film, opening weekend, coming in at uh forty one point oh eight million, which is I think his highest opening weekend yet, if I remember correctly. I don't know how much Django did, but apparently it was close. So people love Django Quentin the Tarantino. One, yeah. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, they were like as of now, they're definitely in the hundreds of millions. 
That's what was predicted for them when they were making the film, too. I mean, so I guess it's so, good if you I, hit your target. Be heading in, yeah, it's definitely heading in the right direction. Um, but I, under, I understand that you're still just like, what the hell did I watch for like two hours? I, w- I was just baffled. By the way, I want to say this for people who worked in it, th- as someone who worked in a the theater, a bad movie experience means you didn't get to finish the film, not I didn't like it and I want my money back. Don't be that person. Thank you. Yes. Do not be that person, guys. Um, so, hmm. uh, I, listen, it's still a, it's still a good movie to me because, oh, we didn't talk about this. I, we have to talk about the fight, the Bruce Lee fight, bro. No, that was, when he threw his little ass into the car, I was <laughs> dying. <laughs> like, Listen, I knew he was gonna respond to like when Bruce Lee kicked him to the ground. I just didn't think he was gonna throw him into the car. Yeah, he was just like, cool and unbothered about everything. And then when he's, I'm like, he's like, try it again. I'm like, he's gonna toss him or something because he was just too cool the whole movie. And I'm like, he does not care, even that he just got like fired for that. So then he throws him in, and he's just like, what are you doing? Uh, he's trying to kill your leading man. <laughs> Oh man, I thought besides the final scene, I thought that was the best part of the whole movie, man. Yeah. That that shit made me laugh, dude. I said, was that like Bruce Lee's era? I don't really know his timeline. No, yeah, yeah. He was um he was doing the uh Green Hornet show. He was Kato on there. Oh right, Green Hornet. I I saw I heard, I remember the movie was based off a previous title that I never saw. Right. Um that's why he was dressed in that like all black like limo driver outfit. Right. In okay. The, in the right in the show, the Green Hornet, he's the driver, but he's also the badass pretty much too. Um. But yeah, and then these hands are registered as lethal weapons. <laughs> anybody that kills anybody in a fight goes to jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah, that was that. Again, his parts that were shown in the trailer were actually funny to me, whereas Leo's were like, didn't deliver the same way it did when you made me or convinced me to come watch this film. So he yeah. did his um, he, he did he did his thing. They both they both played their roles well, don't get me wrong. It's just the overall mm-hmm. story. I'm just I was just confused as to how it all converges. And then by the time we get to the end of like like the fact that the narrator kicked in it was like this person was here at 6.33 p.m. This person was... I'm like, you could have been... Had you been doing this the whole film, it would have made more sense. The fact that you're doing this now after we watch all these people do random things for months is baffling. I I think what he was sort of going for was not only the different perspective, but to highlight all the things about Sharon Tate and why, like, when she was murdered, it was such a like a earthquake type of event for like um, Hollywood, and then at the same time, basically he was setting you up for this, for for the most part, he was setting you up so that one you kind of like zone out, kind of doze off almost with the story. Damn near, and then, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you're really waiting for that moment when she finally gets murdered. And then he completely flips on. He's done this before, where he changes the real life events 
He did it in Inglorious Bastards because Hitler never died until 1945, but this successful operation to kill him worked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like when they actually killed Hitler, I was like, okay, this isn't a clearly not a true story, but it's cool. I just didn't like yeah. how. Again, I didn't realize I was old. Okay, he kills off everyone in every movie. I was like, what is the point of introducing Stiglitz and then he dies for like no reason like 30 minutes later? And then these dudes are, were they, were they planning to bomb themselves anyway? Yeah. On top of shooting yeah. up Hitler? Yeah. Like who, what, who, what was the plan? Was it to blow up Hitler or shoot Hitler? Because we did both and it didn't seem like we needed to do both. And on top of that, you got the well, other chick who burns the film. And I guess that guy escaped. But then the other chick gets choked out with like no fight whatsoever. Well, remember, they didn't know about each other. Like, the squadron with Brad Pitt, the bastard, and the French chick. They didn't know about each other's plan. That's what, that's what threw me off. It was like, I'm trying to follow it, and I couldn't tell who was in on what plan. It realized there was three separate ones happening. When she realized the Nazis were coming to her theater, she wanted to burn it down and murder them all herself. She didn't care about the theater. She was supposed to make it out along with her... Um, boyfriend, her assistant, right? Right. But then she got killed. I don't know what happened to her boyfriend, the black guy. I don't know what happened to him. I'm pretty sure he I'm found a way out. He was like the only person near an exit that didn't get like burned. That That's what I think. I think he got out and then, you know, obviously he realized that this chick didn't survive or whatnot. And then these guys, they the, their main focus was Goring, Goebbels, or boring Goebbels, Hitler, and whoever else. They were going to blow it up anyway, too. But then, you know, they see the fire. The guys like Lonnie and that other guy said, to hell with it. Let's just kill as many as we can now, and then we'll just die. Yes, it's very rare that everybody survives in a Tarantino Yeah, movie. I was just I was He's, like, so you guys are planning, like, how did Brad Pitt convince you guys to blow yourselves up for the cause? Right. It's, it happened in The Hateful Eight. It happened in Reservoir Dogs. It happened for the most part in the Kill Bill movies, except for like the hero. Right. Very rare does everybody survive a Tarantino movie. All right. Since we're in our last 10 minutes, do we want to jump into our uh, yeah. movie memorial segment or whatever we're going to call this? So 11 years ago, this August, we lost the Mac man himself, the legendary Bernie Mac. Friday. The ninth Friday, the night there will be eleven years. Man, Bernie was. I feel, I wish he was still here because I'm like I have. I've always had like this. I always take original kings of comedy with me, but then when I look back yeah. on it, the only comedy I have is this and like his old Def Jam VHS tapes. Like only way you know yes. some of his jokes yes. is through other comedians or if you went and saw him live. Because like I remember I saw Eddie Griffin live and he told he. Like one of his bits was like how he met time and it was hilarious. I'll tell you, I wasn't a Bernie Mac fan. His movies were kind of like, you know, whatever. Like hit or miss. Kevin Hart made his movies too. But I'll tell you what made me such a fan of him his Def Jam stand ups or just his stand ups. Exactly. Period. Especially because in Kings of Comedy is like what got him like more movie roles. Because when he did the little outtake, and he's like, "You won't right. give me a role because you scared of me. You scared I'm gonna say something. 
You're probably <laughs> right. And they actually took a chance and gave him, what was it, the Bernie Mac show. He did a Guess Who with Ashton Kutcher. I never got, I never, I still haven't seen Bad right. Santa or Ocean's Eleven all the way through. He did uh, Madagascar. He was in Transformers. Um, the Expected Gadget Show. What else? I think it was the Ocean's 12, Mr. 3000, Charlie's Angels, Head of State. Uh, he did a few episodes of King of the Hill. He was in Moesha. He did. Uh, he was in Life with uh, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Uh, the Players Club. He was in Pride. How to Be a Player. Uh, what was in the, What was the one I just scrolled past? Oh yeah, he was um, Old Dogs Transformer. Yeah, he was the guy who sold Shia LaBeouf the car in uh, Transformers. Right, and he was in Pride with Terrence Howard. That one too. That was a good one. Yeah. So he definitely no, had enough it's, credentials it's, to speak for himself, and then he was in Fridays, uh, the the hustler preacher. Mm-hmm. So, no, I I I definitely like I mentioned he was a fan. I think if I'm not mistaken, he died he died of pneumonia, but like 20 years before that, he was diagnosed with something called sarcoidosis, which is just like when random inflammatory cells. Um, grow around your body. Yeah, it's it's super it's super rare and it's not exactly fatal unless he gets like unless someone gets like extensive damage to like the organs or like the brain and things like that. But the, I'll tell you what, the pneumonia didn't help. You know, I'm noticing like because I had a couple. Uh, I had an old coworker. He was like my supervisor when I was in school. He passed over like one of my winter breaks. Apparently. Like, when your body gets attacked like that by anything, because he had, like, heart issues, he had, like, fluid leaking in his heart or something. Right. While you're in recovery, your body's basically in a weakened state, and it is easier to get pneumonia, and that apparently finishes off a lot of people. Because they're like, oh, yeah, Brian right. had a heart issue. I'm like, well, how'd he die? Pneumonia. I was like, what? So my mom, because she's a nurse, she explains that, yeah, when they're in recovery, I don't know how, but, like, pneumonia is easier to catch, and if they get it, they usually don't make it out, especially if they're older. Because Bernie was 50 when oh, he died, yeah. believe it or not. And then I think Charlie Murphy was like, what, 45? So I feel like a lot of these comedians the same, are... Around, around the same age, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, apparently, because uh, Eddie talked about this too in his stand. He's like, we used to land in a city on Monday. Charlie would go get chemo on Tuesday. And then by, like, Wednesday morning, he would be back up and ready for a show. And no one knew anything was wrong until he died. Which threw me yeah. off, because... It's weird that I don't know because he, he was hilarious on the Chappelle show. Yeah, no, he definitely was, and um, and then some movies he was pretty good in, in them too. Um, but my biggest thing with Mac, we definitely lost an OG in terms of comedy. I'll never forget his Def Jam standups because those were like the funniest things I've ever seen, man. Yeah, the story behind it where he was like, "Oh yeah, they booed like the last three comments," and I was like, "Absolutely not." And then he came out with it just I ain't scared of you. That shit was hilarious. That's that's the first clip I've ever seen of him way back in stand up. And he's like, I ain't scared of you. Yeah, I'm when he did that, I was hey, like, hey, I, th- hey. I thought he was doing a bit. And then I looked at the backstory, I was like, no, he was he was dead ass like talking to the crowd like in a tense motion because he didn't want to get booed. I I ain't scared of you, mofos. You see, I'm blessed. 
and, and he's and he's hovering around his his groin area. I'm blessed. Yeah. I pulled my shit. This whole room will get dark. Oh my god! Yeah. If you still... haven't seen it, anyone watching, there is a Def Jam 25th anniversary special on Netflix. I recommend you give it a watch. It's hilarious. Give it a watch on there. Give it, just look up Def Jam, Bernie Mac, or any. There's even a Chris. There's even Chris Tucker. There's Chappelle Show. Just even on YouTube, just look it up. Um, Def Jam comedy. Oh my god! Even today, you'll see so many. So many funny-ass comedians on there. But, nah, when I saw that clip for the first time of him, I'm blessed. I, I pulled I pull it out. This whole room will get dark. I ain't scared of you. Yeah, dude was a <laughs> that, legend. That, and I'm sad that, like, apparently him and Steve Harvey had, like, a falling out right before he got sick. And then apparently yeah. they tried to work out a second Kings of Comedy tour him and Steve got cool, and then he passed like as they were planning like a reunion tour. I feel like that's I feel like that's always the case, man. Like every time, they always die such a um, not an inconvenient time, but like such a bad time when they got something ready to come up again and whatnot. Um, the same thing is like you know when Easy E died, NWA was talking about yeah, NWA was about to get back together, and then he passed. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. But I'll tell you what, uh, he's definitely missed. Like, like we mentioned before, is an OG of comedy. On that, on that DVD box of the Kings of Comedy, is he the only one still alive? Is he the only one dead? Yeah, Steve Harvey's still around. D.L. Hughley's still around. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer's still around. They've all got radio and TV shows, and they've all been flourishing. Yeah. So. I feel like Bernie would I, still be doing good, if not better, than all three if he was still around. Yeah. I saw Cedric perform live. That motherfucker's funny, too. Yeah, I saw but, his last uh, stand. Dude, him and DL are hilarious. And yeah. then Steve's retired. And then Steve Harvey got everything else. You know, he got the, he got, what's it called? Um, Family Feud and all these that? other shows. Family Feud. He's got a talk show. Yeah, man. But I'll tell you what. Um, rest in peace to Burning Man. It'll be 11 years Friday. Um, everybody miss you, man. Oh man, what an OG. Yeah. OG, OG. RIP right Mac Man. Uh, we're we're low on time. So, do you want to give your final thoughts on the movie and your score? Eight out, eight out of ten for me. Not my favorite Tarantino movie, but it's an eight out of ten because I dug the whole 69 setup, the music, the atmosphere, Hollywood. A little bit long, it might taste like, but I think I'll get a better understanding of it. I'll appreciate it a little bit more the second time around. Six. Five points just for it being Tarantino. <laughs> Five points for being a Tarantino film. Minus four, because I don't know what the... I, I didn't know what the shit was going on for like two hours. Like, someone who comes into this blind not knowing about the Manson thing, like me, I'm just baffled. I'm like, what's up with... Brad Pitt not giving a crap about getting fired all the time, not getting work. Uh, why is Leo <laughs> crying so much? What's up with the hippies? Why why does this keep getting tense only for nothing to happen? Yeah. The ending hey, is satisfying, man, the, the but Bruce, the, I, I don't Bruce know. Bruce Lee fight and the last half hour gave it to me. Yeah, the last half hour did fight. it for me. And I was like, everything else is just like, we could have got here a lot easier. <laughs> uh, what what what's uh, uh, next week also looks dead. What what's out that we could go see? Oh uh, man, next week not a whole lot because everybody's prepping for uh, one Labor Day weekend, and then 
there's really not a whole lot until November or December. I think the only thing that comes out in like later this month is it, but that's in like two weeks. I think it comes out Labor Day. No, it's like late. It's either late August, early September. I do not remember. If anything, we could just talk about it off air, and we'll surprise everybody next week. Yeah, there you go. We'll we'll surprise everybody next week. Um, there's definitely some movies we can't check out, but you never know. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. We love y'all. I'm your man, Tori. This is my boy, Tafari. Catch us next week. We out. Surprise. You'll, you'll know what's going to happen. Let's go.